What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 98 of the Game Explained Real Talk podcast. As always, I'm your host, Derek Bittner, and I'm joined today by uh, Andre Seegers, as Ash is currently in Las Vegas with his wife, decided to abandon us. I, I think he's making Las Vegas his second home at this point. Uh, he might as well just move there. He would save money, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> they go so often, I guess, because it's a big EDM location. I'm not sure. I think, I think it's that, and they're not so far away that... You know, it, I mean, they're they're close enough that it's not that big of a deal for them to go there, which I'm a little bit jealous of. It's still a few hours, few hours drive for them, but yeah, like it's much closer than it would be for me to go to Vegas. So yeah, which it still weirds me out. Like I, I for some reason, I you think of San Francisco and Los Angeles, it's like, oh yeah, those two are close, and then you actually do the drive, and it's like, God no, they're not close. It is so <laughs> far away. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of the same thing. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's doable. I've done it many times, but it's not is not convenient really i mean no. it's nice that we have the option instead of flying down we can drive to la if we want but yeah the thing is there's nothing to look at on the drive there it no, is no just... the, yeah that's a, that's the worst part the drive sucks yeah. i-5 is the most boring that stretch of i-5 in particular not that uh at any point along it's not that great mm-hmm. uh but especially that portion sucks it's just really boring just completely flat nothing to look at but like the very distant mountains. In fact, it always reminds me of uh, like the first stage of Star Fox, where you always see mountains in the distance, but you never get any closer. That's what I-5 is like. You just <laughs> see mountains, you never get any closer. It's the worst. I mean, the funny thing is, it's still kind of preferable to the other option we took the first time we... Like, the first time I went to E3, I, drove, I flew into San Francisco first, and then we all drove down to L.A. along with your friend Jimmy. He was the one driving. Right. Uh, but Jimmy... Oh, we took... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he wanted to do Highway 1. Which is the coastal highway. So right. it's really beautiful. You're driving right next to the ocean. It is gorgeous. But there is no exits at all. Yeah. Yeah, no, so we were... So we, we did the whole thing, I think. It took us, I believe, 12 hours, as I recall, with the lunch break in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, we didn't get to L.A. until... God, it was, it was past midnight. I think it might be even like 1 or 2 a.m. And before this, when we were still on the coast... Like, it was so dark. There were no lights on this highway. So it, I felt like we were going to just drive off a cliff at any point and just end up in the ocean. Oh, my gosh. And everything was just so expensive because there was, like, the one gas station we saw. And I think it was, oh, like, $1.50 more than any other place at that point. Oh, I think it was close least, to 5 bucks. Yeah. And, and yeah, this was at a time when, you know, gas prices weren't at that price. Yeah. <laughs> um, they were, yeah, they were really bad. So, but they know they, know they had you. Like, where else are you going to go for gas? Nowhere. Yeah, it was your only option, and there was hardly any options for food or anything else, really. Like, it was, and there was just no choice. Like, there's no opportunities to get back on any other highway. You were stuck on Interstate 1 the entire time, and I'm not a fan of long car rides at the best of times. And by the end of this, I was going insane. Like, I'm like, (laughs) I am so done. I am so freaking done. Get me, get, get us there. I am so ready to be there. Oh, I was going stir crazy. <laughs> oh, I think just brings back all those great E3 memories, and that's coming up soon. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's it's crazy how quickly yeah. E3 is getting in here. Although first before that, I got PAX East ahead of me. That's right. Ne- next weekend, right? Yeah, so. next weekend. It's uh, coming up quick, and uh, I mean, I haven't gone in a little bit. I, f- I forget how many how long it's it's been since I've gone to PAX East. Maybe two years. I can't quite remember, but... Who covered it for us last year? Do we have anyone covering it? I don't think I we had we... anybody covering it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess, we, I, guess, I, I, think, know, I guess we didn't think there was a need to. Yeah, I, I think with the, the Switch had just come out. We had had everything. We were looking at the oh, lineup. Oh, that's right. Yeah, nothing. yeah. 
Yeah, the Switch just come out. That's right. Yeah, there was nothing to cover, right? Yeah. Go play had... once you switch with people at Nintendo's booth or something. Yeah, exactly. So we looked at that. I was like, eh, we'll skip. <laughs> yeah. There's just no point. So, yeah, going up this uh, this time. So hopefully I'll see a few of you there that are going there. Uh, I'll be sure to update where I'm at so you guys can track me down. <laughs> it's actually really funny that, that I think it was... I think it was at the PAX East two years ago. I was walking around uh, talking with Ash or somebody, maybe Tom. Um, for some reason, I thought Tom, no, Tom wasn't there. It was somebody else. Anyway, I was talking to somebody, and as I'm uh, talking, all of a sudden I look behind me. I got these three. Uh, I want to say kids. They're not like actual kids, but like 15 or so. I'd say just estimate. And they they ask everyone. Everyone below 20 is a kid to me. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> and they're just like. I, I'm, I'm, I, I finally stopped somewhere and uh, they they f- approached me and was like, I'm sorry, are you Derek from Game Explain? I don't have the shirt on or anything like the, you know, the Game Explain shirt. I was like, yeah, yeah, I am. And the, um, I'm like, I'm surprised you guys recognize me. It's like, oh no, it was your voice. We heard you talking. <laughs> <laughs> that's always how it is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's how they identified me. It's just because of the voice. So I've since then I've try to put my picture out there a little bit more than I used to because uh, before I just kept myself hidden all the time nobody needs to see that <laughs> yeah yeah we don't yeah we don't do too many on camera things so yeah, not okay, really so we really so we really pretty much are invisible until we start talking or you know, like people, I've literally seen like people's heads turn like you know if, I, if I'm at like a gaming event uh-huh. people's heads like turns like you know, like when they recognize it, so, or, <laughs> or they just think it's a weird voice and staring at me. So that, <laughs> one of the two. That could be it. I think people yeah. recognize you more now, if only because of our home screen on YouTube. Which we need to update now. Now that there's a new Smash Brothers. We, so. Yeah, we need to find out the art style and how the introduction for new characters works. Unless we just need to have like a close up on your face and put the eye in your uh, the Smash uh, symbol in your eye. There you go. Exactly. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I just I kind of love the idea of just gradually adding stuff to you until like you just <laughs> I'm just like a monster yeah exactly. a Frankenstein creation exactly five six years down the line it'll just be like a what the, what is he just amalgamation man or something like that yeah, just, I represent like all games <laughs> perfect yeah so what have you been playing lately Andre oh uh, oh man um I don't think I've been playing anything. It's actually been a, it's actually been a little while since I played something. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess actually no, no. I, that, that's actually that's not quite true. I just lied. I just lied a bunch. Um, <laughs> I forgot. I was at GDC with Tom last week, so we right, played right. you know a fair amount of games there, um, including a Nintendo's GDC showcase or indie showcase, an indie showcase. We did a whole video about that where we talked about the games we played, you know, that we went hands on with. Um, I've tried a few other demos outside of that, and then after the show. Uh, you know, Tom and I would hang out at my place since he was staying with me, and yeah, we played like we did like a bunch of old school gaming. So um, we've actually been playing Kirby's. So during the holidays, I, I might mention this before when I was up at Tom's house, uh, we started playing Kirby's Dream Course, and that continued this time. <laughs> where uh, it, that that game actually, I have to admit, is kind of fun in two players. So uh, so yeah, we, we did some Kirby's Dream Course. We played. Um, I had for whatever reason, I randomly picked up a couple weeks ago. I bought it off eBay or no off Amazon, uh, Star Fox Assault. I don't know why. I, <laughs> I, I I have no idea why. I didn't even like this game much originally. But I picked it up for God knows what reason. Maybe just to have it in my archives if I ever need it for a video or something. And we decided to play multiplayer on that, and that was actually pretty fun. Um, it probably is the best multiplayer, at least um, if you 
take them all in the vacuum and not the time they came out in. It's probably the best Star Fox multiplayer game that exists, and granted there's not too many of those. But it's really fun with how you can play either, you know, everyone starts off on foot, well, depending on the arena, and you can hop into a vehicle like an R-Wing or, or a Landmaster, and that just makes it a little bit more dynamic or engaging than it normally was. And what was really fun was um, Tom figured out some of these mechanics a little bit quicker than I was, uh, than I did, where he was like flying around in the R-Wing, I was on, I was in the Lamp, no, I was on foot trying to shoot him in the R-Wing, and as the R-Wing is flying past, this Landmaster rolled up and sh just shot me in the face. I'm like, where did that even come from? Like, how did that even happen? Turns out he had just hopped out of, hopped out all the, with, out of the R-Wing without me realizing it. But I, didn't, I don't think I even remembered he could do it at this point. The R-Wing still keeps flying, even though he's outside of it. So I'm still shooting the R-Wing thinking he's in it, and while, he's, while this is happening, he hopped in the Landmaster and just ran my ass over. Or... <laughs> It was pretty great, so... That is amazing. Yeah. Oh, man, I remember how heated our Dream Course matches got. They were so close. Between you and me, or... Yeah, because yeah. we played Dream Course. That's how you, that's how you kind of that's figured we, out that you right. actually liked Dream Course multiplayer. Yeah, because the game, I, I still think, and I, to be fair, I haven't gone back and tried single player again, but every time I, I played single player in that game, I just think mechanics are really not fun. But when you add a second player, it actually does become engaging, because now when you screw up, you know, it, there, there's actual, like, stakes to it now, right? Like, mm -hmm. you want you want to get it right. Or now I kind of appreciate how maybe finicky the controls are because it kind of encourages you to get better at them and, you know, because you're competing with an opponent. So I actually do kind of like that aspect. Single player, though, yeah, I don't care about that at all. Yeah, I've never tried uh, Dream Course single player. The funny thing is, I, you know, I got the SNES Classic. I've barely played it. <laughs> when do I have time to play games? Mm -hmm. uh, it just doesn't happen. Like, I've finished up, uh, you know, Detective Pikachu and whatnot, so theoretically I should have time to play games. Uh, no, I'm, I'm busy doing, worrying about the updates to Star Allies, uh, Fire Emblem Warriors, uh, uh, Mario Odyssey. And we'll get into a few of those uh, in the news topics. But yeah, it's just like, man, when am I going to find time? Because I really, really want to sit down and finish Nier. Because I beat the fir like, first campaign, still got three endings to get. Kind of want to crank those out, but I don't know so when you're I'm going to time. You're saying you're not quite nearly done with it? Nope, I'm not nearly done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and especially since I still have to get to the sequel, so yeah. Oh yeah, it's, yeah it's going to keep you busy for a while. Yeah, I mean, it took me nine months to beat Persona 5, so oh, wow. hopefully it doesn't take me that long with Nier, because I think I started at the beginning of the year, so hopefully... Uh, End of April? <laughs> Only four months? That's something, right? We started near at the beginning of the year. All right. Maybe we keep this rhyme going. Or not. <laughs> but I fear... Uh, there we go. Yeah, it won't be... Saved it. Oh, I'm, I'm blanking now. Deer? Deer to... Like, maybe you hold a deer? I don't know. I don't know. Just... <laughs> Here, hold up the mirror. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> right, we're going to... Yeah, exactly. Just bad rhymes. <laughs> um... I was going to say, uh, you reminded me that a game I need to get back to myself is uh, Shadow of the Colossus. So I think I got through the first four Colossi, maybe? Whichever one that was a flying one. That's the last one I did, I think. Mm -hmm. So I want to go back to that, finish, keep playing that. Because I, I haven't, um, I've liked what I've played so far. I'm not quite feeling it. It's not quite resonating with me on the same level it has with many people, it seems. But I want to keep going, and I have enjoyed it so far. And maybe maybe it'll, you know, it'll start resonating with me a little bit more. Um, and then beyond that, I, one of the games I want to bring up uh, that Tom and I played was Pac-Man... Oh, God, what's it called? Pac-Man 2-Player Championship Edition? Pac-Man Championship oh, Edition Champion 2 Edition Plus? Two plus yeah, yeah. that 2-Player that mode is fantastic. So I highly recommend it. It is super fun with two players. Um, it 
just everything works. I already love Championship Edition 1 and 2, and it works so much better than I, w- than I would ever expected it would with two people playing together. It is just a blast. That is awesome. Yeah, I've never actually... I played a little bit of Championship Championship Edition 1 DX, I think, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, I really enjoyed it. I didn't stick with it too often because, I don't know, arcade experience on, I think it was a PlayStation 3, I, it just didn't hold my interest that long. I mean, it was cool, it was good, but... I, I don't really go for the arcade games that often. Uh, mm-hmm. But I can see that, you know, something great for the Switch or a handheld or something like that. So uh, just pull it up whenever you want. Um, so are you saying that Punch-Out! Arcade Archives holds no interest for you? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nice transition there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Man, you are ready to just get to the news topics. Actually, no, I'm not, because I, I should mention that I saw uh, Ready Player One. Oh, yes, yes. I did want to talk to you about that one, because everybody's been talking uh, about this movie, and I've read the book. Did you ever read the book? Oh, wow. No, I, I didn't even know about the book until I started hearing about the movie. So. Yeah, I, I remember going on vacation, and I had a friend hold you know say talk about the book and say it is just fantastic. He loved it to death. It was so cool. I'm like, okay, I'll check this out, and I actually picked up the book and read it, and I'm like... Yeah, it's 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 it was okay. <laughs> it was just I the it, chapter I keep seeing everyone point to who doesn't like the book. You probably already know where I'm going with mm-hmm. this. Is yeah, the one I'm trying to think of an elegant way of putting or an eloquent way of putting. This. He stalks her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, that's not the one I've seen. Oh. That's not no. The one I'm seeing is where uh, he stalks himself. I guess you could say <laughs> he. He does something with a stock. Oh, I, 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 I've honestly completely forgotten that scene because, you know, it was just like, okay, sure, whatever. But no, yeah. the, the, the part that was the most just aggravating for me is that, like, okay, I, I can, it's, this is not great literature, but it sort of works in that popcorn sort of way, like Dan Brown yeah. sort of thing. Turn off your brain. You're going to read some stupid crap, but you might enjoy the path along the way. Mm-hmm. And it, it kind of works that way until you get to. Uh, after the first key, when he finds his first key, which I have heard that the challenges in the movie are completely different from the book, which is probably yeah, a I, good thing. And the the it's like most a lot of them is like play a perfect game of this, uh, completely uh, re um, recreate the a scene from War Games or the entire movie of War Games, uh, stuff like that. It's just like. Yeah, I don't know if that would actually work in movie form, so you well, really would have to Let me just it. say that, without spoiling it, the uh, replacement for, what I presume to be the replacement for the war game scene is pretty fantastic in its own right. So. Is that the second uh, key? Yeah, the second one. Yeah, yeah. That, that would make sense then. Yeah, they do They do something really cool there, I think. Is so. that the race that I keep seeing in the... Uh... No. Oh, okay. Not. That's the, uh, I don't want I don't, I, I to say which one that is, but I don't want to get too many specifics. But yeah, no, it's not the race. Oh, okay. So, um... Yeah, no, so are you going to go see the movie then, or... I'm debating, I'm still not sure. Like, I'm curious because it's Steven Spielberg, but it's also, like, I, that hurts. Like, I heard it improves some aspects of the book, but others, not so much, and I don't know. It's, yeah, it's it's weird, because the movie is definitely not great, to me at least. Like, it's not, it's, yeah, it's not a great film, but I had a good time with it, so... You know, obviously, I wish it were a great film, but at the, you know, with that said, I I enjoyed it. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, to be fair, I feel like with the premise, or not maybe not the premise, but the idea of just being bombarded with all this '80s and '90s nostalgia, it's 
kind of hard for that not to be enjoyable on some level. I feel like, like on a fundamental level. Yeah, it's like, oh, cool, this thing that I love. Oh, cool, this thing that I, I love. I am reminded of uh, any Red Letter Media, like, Star Wars video, where it's like, hey, I recognize that thing. I'm going to clap for that thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, here I've actually heard somebody bring up this uh, point. Um, it's almost like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, in a way. Yeah, it kind of in, is. In how uh, you have all these you, cartoons, like, oh, I recognize you, those cartoons and whatnot. Are you saying this is this is the true ultimate crossover, Derek? God, I don't. Know. I don't want to say no, but because Roger Rabbit is just a be- far better movie. Well, I'm saying I'm comparing it to um, the new Marvel movie. The oh, the, oh, this oh, <laughs> the greatest crossover. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it would be if they had uh, licenses for anything beyond WB. Well, <laughs> uh, it, it does. Oh, it does. Yeah, it definitely does. You know, it has. It's a pretty wide spectrum. I was disappointed though with a com- almost complete lack of Nintendo. Yeah, you um, Nintendo would totally be part of this nostalgia. Let's be honest here. Yeah, no, it's it, it, it's about video games primarily. How is that not even? Apparently, it's not in the book either. I guess or no. Not I was actually shocked how little Nintendo there is. It, but it's also going probably by the author's nostalgia, and that right. he definitely leaned more towards Atari. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and right, I can totally see that. I mean, there's quite a few Atari references here, and I love that too. Yeah, it just it did feel a little bit weird that like you have Master Chief running around, or avatars of Master Chief, or uh, the um, uh, the soldiers, whatever they're called, the oh uh, the uh, oh, Spartans. There Spartans, we go. Yeah, uh, yeah, but you don't have any like yeah Nintendo representation like between those two eras, you know, between <laughs> the Atari and Xbox era. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that wasn't that big. It wasn't that big of a deal. And there are a couple of. Uh, even though no Nintendo characters appear proper, there are a couple of still pretty decent Nintendo references, like just through the dialogue. So I enjoyed that at least. Um, one of them, one one of the scenes actually is pretty is pretty lengthy too. So that that was a decent one. Um, I forget where I was going with this, but uh, there is one there is one thing I was thinking of today while I was walking around, um, and I don't think that this is spoilery because I think it's a basic premise. Whether if you don't if you if you don't want to avoid any like the basic premise of this. Skip ahead like a minute <laughs> in this <laughs> podcast, so hopefully that's enough warning. I'm gonna I'm gonna say it now. So the premise is right that they're looking for this like final Easter egg hidden by the creator. Um, you know that like it's basically Willy Wonka, yeah. where if you find it, you inherit everything. So that's kind of a cool premise. But I realize that by him giving this goal of finding the Easter egg. That itself nullifies it being an Easter egg. It's no longer an Easter egg. That's an objective. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good point. However, however, it literally is an Easter egg at the end. Like it's an actual egg. Oh wow. So so maybe that maybe it redeems it. Like I don't know where I fall on that now. It's like, well, it's not an Easter egg, but it literally, literally is an egg. So that's weird. Also, I do like how this is actually opening on Easter weekend. I don't know if that was intentional or not, but that's pretty fitting. Oh, I didn't so. even think about that. That is yeah. Someone great. I saw that on Twitter, so that was that wasn't my thought. Someone someone somewhere said it, so credit to whoever that guy was. But <laughs> um, that was kind of cool. Yeah, it's oh man, it's it's just one of those things. Like I'm not sure if I'll end up seeing it or not. Maybe. Uh, because you know, I, Derek, I'd... get freaking movie pass. So you can go see these movies without any regret. <laughs> It is six seventy five a month now or something. Why have you not signed up yet? I, I sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the EM, like, it's I, the point, like I'm at the point where I was gonna buy it for you because like <laughs> there you go. There's a, there's a Christmas or birthday gift you can get yeah. me. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I know. I I should probably do 
something like that and get it and then just go to the movies more often if I just need to find well, a time No, it's to at go. the point where, like, if you see, like, it's almost at the point where like, if you see, like, five movies a year, I think you've basically made it back already, so... I guess that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, you have convinced our listeners to pick it up. I swear you need to get... Movie Pass, I swear to God, should be paying me. I've already, I've already sold so many people on this. Like, I don't know how many, like, but I've heard at least five reports already from people that I've sold them on Movie Pass, And that's, like, counting my, other, my own friends and family that I've sold it to as well. So, yeah. I mean, I should be, like, a stakeholder in Movie Pass. You really <laughs> should at this point. Like, yeah. my God. Or shareholder, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it makes more sense for you because of how expensive your movies are. So, I think that's why I've, another reason I'm sort of him hard on it. But I, I really should just do it. Just pull the trigger. Uh, make sure it, mine works with AMC and all that. Yeah, it, it, I think it's only the big AMC theaters that they stopped us. Like it's a it's a small handful of AMCs they no longer accepted at. So yeah, see, I was always yeah. I heard it doesn't really work with AMC, and I'm like, well, crap, I have all main. No, it, it no, it works at it works at literally every AMC except for like twelve of them. I oh, think. okay, so yeah, perfect. Yeah, I'll probably look into it or something like that. I just. Yeah, maybe I go. I figure I'll go, especially with the summer season coming up. It's probably worth it. <laughs> you know, just oh, it definitely, see him. definitely. Because I, yeah. I, I am interested in. Um, oh, I'm I'm blanking on the name of it. A the one where you, the the horror movie where everybody has to stay quiet. A oh, silent uh, place. Like is it a silent place? Yeah, I, I was gonna call it be quiet, but that yeah, yeah. That's not it. <laughs> <laughs> that looks interesting, and it's it's getting really good reviews. Yeah, I want to see that too. Totally agreed. So, horror movie with limited dialogue. Okay, then I'm. I got my interest. You got my interest. I'm curious how that all works. Yeah, and so well, so much of uh, horror movies is, ba- is based around sound design too. So that kind of adds a bit of an interesting dynamic to it as well, right? Mm-hmm. Like the entire thing is based around sound or the lack thereof. Yeah. So, so it's kind of a cool idea. Yeah, I, I definitely want to check it out and see mm-hmm. how it goes, especially. You know, Again, movie season is picking up. Let's 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 get to it. <laughs> let's, yep. let's do it. But yeah, man, I uh, I'm I'm still him hauling on Ready Player One. But get movie pass, go see it, then we can talk about it. And <laughs> you'll be perfect. Happy. It's not I me. Mean, like I said, I mean, it's not an amazing film, but it's a fun film. Yeah. So I mean, I feel like I mean, as as one yourself who enjoys like popcorn Marvel stuff, <laughs> I feel I feel like this is kind of up your alley. So I suppose. Does it have Captain America in it? No, it doesn't have Captain America, but there is a similar superhero in there. Oh, okay. So. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Oh goodness, yeah, I'm. I'll probably end up seeing it at some point. Mm-hmm. Just you know, curiosity will get to me or something like that. Um, I mean, we'll see. But I honestly, uh, I gotta. I, I think. You know, speaking of the fact going to, going to PAX East, I'm actually I'm taking the train this time. It's going to be a long train ride, but I love the tra- I've learned to love trains at this point because of the visits to New York. And I'm like, hmm, I should pick up some new indie games. And I'm I'm thinking I'm curious about your thoughts on this. Uh, the two indie games are going to pick up to play. Isn't there? Wait, hold on. Isn't there uh, one of those indie games where you have to build a bridge for a train and the train might crash or something? You should get that one. Bridge, like bridge. constructor or something like that. Maybe. Like, isn't that the one the Portal game was based off of as well? Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, it it might be. I'm just thinking it'd be fun to play a train crash game while you're on a train. Sure, let's let's play a plane <laughs> crash game on a plane too. That's, yeah, that's, exactly. That's, right? that's yeah. Uh, yeah, put you at ease. <laughs> no, I was thinking of picking up uh, Blossom Tales and Celeste. Yeah, play Celeste is awesome, so you should absolutely play that. Yeah, I was thinking those two would probably be good choices. Uh, I don't know why. Just when I go on these types of trips, that's when I like to play indie games. 
Yeah, I mean, because you have, you know, no, nothing to distract you really from, from the games you want to play. So that is kind of refreshing, I suppose. It's like how Ash views airplanes, even though I hate airplanes in general. So. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's it's like, like you're asking me, man, man why did you get, why did you do train instead of plane? I'm like, uh, I just, all I said to you is, don't have to deal with the TSA. And yeah, like, no, you still respect that. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's true. You basically went, fair point, fair point. <laughs> all right well speaking of going back back 20 minutes or 15 minutes or however long it was punch out arcade came out <laughs> yeah uh i have not picked it up yet have you i i'm not a big punch out guy i actually really like the one on wii and i feel like it would be near impossible for me to go back to the old one so no i'm probably not gonna pick it up myself yeah i'm probably i'm it's the same way like I enjoyed Punch-Out! Wii I cannot do the second round that game is so like it's really tough I love the personality behind it but boy is it tough but yeah it gets tough but the funny thing is is that this this Punch-Out! Arcade has a lot of fun features in it um I, I don't know them all but I do know it has at least the vertical mode because one of the big things about the original arcade version was that it was technically a two-screen display. It was kind of like the Nintendo DS. You had the top screen, uh, literally above the bottom screen, which is, feels redundant saying it that way. <laughs> <laughs> um, the displays like the stats and you know character info, stuff like that. And the bottom display, you have like all the action and whatnot. So it really is kind of like a Nintendo DS in that sense. And what's cool is with a Switch, you can play it in portrait mode, and it'll display both screens just like it did on the arcade, which is really cool. And we actually have a video showcasing that up right now that Nintendo recorded for us. Yeah, it, it looked really cool. Like, uh, they had said something about it before it released, and it's like, okay, that makes a lot of sense. It's perfect for it. It w- looks good. Um, and, you know, it, it's it's where those portraits from the Punch-Out! stage in Smash Brothers come from, comes from, because that's, you know, those portraits are not in uh, the NES version. It's only for the arcade version. But, mm-hmm. but I hate the way Little Mac looks in this game. <laughs> he looks so do- dopey. <laughs> uh I I only saw yeah I only saw the um, the wireframe version of it. So. Oh, you haven't, didn't see see his portrait on the top screen. Like he has this no. weird green hair, like this weird jaw. I don't know. It's just really dopey. <laughs> um, oh, I'm looking at right now. Oh, you're totally right. Uh, yeah, he looks no, he looks like he's like 50 in this. Yeah, he does. Yeah. <laughs> That's it's like funny. okay then. I also I also didn't realize the arcade version had an announcer. Yeah, I didn't either because I was watching Don's gameplay and it's it's just you know right right left right right body blow body blow body blow and I'm like oh my yeah. god. It reminded me of um a Rhythm Heaven game. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. So I shall love it. So obviously. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. The sprite the sprite work is cool though. Like it's definitely more impressive looking than the than the than the NES version. Oh yeah, absolutely. So. Uh, it's yeah. actually kind of impressive how impressive how much personality the NES version got out of the boxers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it That's it true. really is. But <laughs> isn't this the is it the arcade version where we had pizza pasta and um uh, vodka good drunkinski even in the arcade. Oh yeah, uh, um, uh, Piston Honda is it? Is do they do they keep all that? I thought they kept Piston Honda uh, for the NES version at least. They they changed him, changed him to Piston Hondo in the in, in the, the Wii, Wii version, version. Yeah, because Honda. Wait, I see a Piston. I see a Piston Hurricane here. Piston Hurricane. Um, hmm. Not sure. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I do remember they did change. I think some of the boxes were different in the. Arcade versus versus the NES one, I believe, maybe. Mm-hmm. 
I uh, yeah, yeah, there are definitely some other ones. Like there's a there's a kid quick in the arcade version that that definitely doesn't pop up in the NES version. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's something. It's 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 a cool little. Uh, callback, and I'm I'm curious. I know they announced a bunch of other arcade title Nintendo arcade titles. Uh, don't know when they're coming, but I'm trying to think what would be next. Oh, you got me. Um, I just I, I do wonder though how well this is going to do, considering the Mario versus is has been at number two on the eShop for months, I think. Uh, so I wonder if Punch Out might have. It, I mean, it will reach that level of success, but I wonder if it might do well. Considering there's no virtual console, like this is the closest thing we have to it right now. Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah, so I don't, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't remember what all like other arcade games it could bring. So. I mean, the most obvious one after this would be Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong Junior. Yeah, that's true. I could see those doing probably decently, especially with um, you know, like. I was gonna say King of Kong recently, but that was over ten years ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Jesus. Yeah, recently. <laughs> but I mean, still, like you know, it's it's been more in the zeitgeist. I, mean, I, I feel True. like it's been more in the collective consciousness than it was in the ten years before King of Kong. You know? Oh so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, and the the uh, arcade version has a level that's not in the NES version. If I'm if I'm if I remember two correctly. levels. I, bl- I oh really? Think. Oh no no no! You're right. I think it is just one. I think the NES one had three levels. Right. I think it was missing the final level from the arcade version, but. The if you played Donkey Kong sixty four and unlocked uh, the Donkey Kong classic arcade game in that one, that actually was a complete recreation. I, I believe it was a completely reprogrammed, uh, based on the arcade one. So nice. it wasn't emulated; it was rebuilt, but it actually had all the stages from that game. Well, that's cool. Yeah, it was cool. So yeah, we'll see. I'm trying to think. I know Nintendo had a bunch of arcade games, but I'd love to see. Uh, what they come up with next? I mean, I picked up the Mario one because that isn't that was such a curiosity, like Mario, Super Mario Brothers in the arcades, mm-hmm. which I have I've seen it like stuff at like PAX, but I didn't realize it was that different where it actually had lost levels levels in there, and yeah, oh, that's a way to eat quarters. <laughs> yes, it is. But uh, well, speaking of Mario, um, we also had uh, Mario Odyssey surprising us with two new costumes added to the game. One for the Satellaview, which is kind of like a spacesuit, and then a baseball uniform with uh, Mario's number, of course, being 64. <laughs> yeah, gotta love that. <laughs> uh, any, any reference to Mario 64, I'm totally on board with. Yeah, totally. Which was, uh, do you know where the baseball uniform comes from? Is it just, it can't be Strikers. It has to be the original baseball, right? Like advertisements I, for so that. I tried. I tried looking into it at the time, and maybe others have had more information since. I'm sure they have, if there is anything. But in my research, I couldn't find anything that it connects to because there was that baseball NES game with Mario, but he didn't wear that outfit, as far as I could tell. Um, and yeah, in, and in Mario Baseball or Mario Super Sluggers or whatever, in those two games, he just wears his normal outfit. So, in fact, in researching this, it made me realize like how lazy Nintendo's been with their sports outfits in general in most games. Yeah, really. Whereas, Mar- Mar- whereas Mario Tennis Aces is actually stepping it up uh, a bit with their with some of them wearing like custom gear, which is cool. But yeah, I don't know if it's based on anything. I have no idea what. So yeah, me neither. I mean, hey, at least Strikers went the extra mile. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, this to tell of you though, like that's you would not expect them to actually reference that thing. It's cool. I mean, it makes sense in Japan, uh, but because they have like you know, because they they definitely are basing you know working more worldwide now, we inherit those same benefits. Even if no one here knows what it is, unless you're a hardcore fan. Uh, but even I myself, like I don't think I I don't think I, I recall seeing that suit before. Apparently, it's from 
I think the marketing materials from Mario back in that era. Oh, okay. Uh, but even though I knew the saddle of you, I'd never seen that suit before. So that's kind of neat. Um, with that said, I haven't even checked the suits out myself. Like, watching our videos, like, or seeing the artworks enough, like, I, I don't care about unlocking them. <laughs> yeah, so. exactly. It doesn't add that much to the game. Yeah. Uh, although we did... I mean, have you have you gone... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, although we did do the prep work for next time, they decided to drop these suits on us and actually have some <laughs> coins available because that was like, oh, crap, we need to show these off. Ah, crap, I have no coins. No coins. Yeah, exactly. No. I, I, I had I had five save files too, but I forgot. I, I'd, used, I'd spent all the coins across all five of them at some point. I'm like, oh, crap, I'm all out of coins now. Uh, but I think you just, you just made five new save files with 9,000 coins each, yes. right? Yes. I actually spent the time to grind that one spot that you pointed out and got a bunch of coins ready. And I'm like, okay, next time we're ready. (laughs) Have you tried the balloon mode yet? I haven't actually. It didn't really interest me. I mean, I've heard (laughs) people like really enjoy it and love it, but it just wasn't for me. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I had, I I had fun with it in the, you know, when I was streaming it in those videos I made for it, Mm -hmm. but it hasn't, called back to me at all like i'm like yeah i feel like i kind of saw everything there was to do there so mm-hmm. yeah, yeah for me with odyssey like i feel pretty good with what i've accomplished in the game i don't feel the need to go back to it and get 100 percent or anything like that um mainly the the thing that'll bring me back to odyssey beyond just a quick video on a costume is level pack if you want to give a level pack uh nintendo i'm totally there <laughs> <laughs> oh come on! I, man, that rumor about the Luigi's Mansion DLC that had me hyped, even though even though I didn't, you know, I fully expected it not to be true. But it got me thinking. It's like, man, the Luigi's, ba- Luigi's Mansion based kingdom would be amazing. Oh, seriously! Um, particularly because Aussie lacked any kind of like haunted house or ghost kingdom at all. So, and the closest we got is probably the uh, the um, mushroom kingdom. Uh, oh, no, 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 the the Cap Kingdom, or whatever it was called. Yeah, just Cap Kingdom, the first one uh-huh. with this. Are those hats ghosts? Like, what are they? Uh, hat people. <laughs> That's all I know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He didn't really get spooky at all or anything like no. that. But, oh, man, if they decided to do, like, a throwback galaxy type thing and actually bring back the mansion from 64, complete with piano, and if you can capture oh, yeah. the piano. I mean, that would actually so that would actually be a good one to bring back because I, I've i said before I was a little bit disappointed with the, with the kingdom we got, the Mushroom Kingdom, because I expected to have, like, an actual Mario level, Mario 64 level in there. Um, and that would be tough to do now, given the fact that there is no castle to explore. However, Big Boo's Haunt took place within that little birdcage, as I remember. You hopped into, like, that little birdcage that had a model of a mansion. Mm-hmm. So they could just drop that in somewhere, and it could work. So I hope so. That'd be awesome. Because yeah. it, it is weird that booze are not in this game. Yeah, well, except the one that Peach wears in her hair. Yeah, I, I don't think there's a booze, though. <laughs> no, it's a boo. Is it? Yeah, she's got an actual boo in her hair. Oh, an, an actual, actual boo in her hair. Okay, I didn't realize. It's a, I mean, it's not It's not a living boo or a dead boo, I guess, but it's a, you know, a hairpin in the shape of a boo. Oh, I see. I didn't take a closer look. I haven't actually seen all of Peach's outfits. Huh. I do, yeah, I, I thought that was really cool, like, when you... I guess we're getting spoilers here. If you want to be a Mario Odyssey, it's your fault at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I do love how, like, when you beat the game, she goes on her own little like adventure around the kingdoms, and she has her own like getup or you know in each Costumes one. Costumes so for each was, one, yeah. Yeah, that was a cool, cool touch. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was uh, go along those same lines though. Star Allies also got its update this week, a uh, free update, and uh, we've got our new set of dream friends. So we got Marks, Gooey, and the Animal Buddies from Dreamland Two, uh, Rick, Kine, and Koo. 
and uh, they're a lot of fun. Like the funny thing is, is it's not, it's more than just them added as characters uh, in, in in Star Allies. Like yeah, you can have them as buddies throughout the main game, but now there's uh, extra stuff at the for certain levels. They have their own guest star mode where they have unique levels to themselves. They have additions throughout everything else. Uh, just it really does seem like a full integration as if they've always been there. And it's shocking how much they've added with just this free update and these three new characters. Uh, and it's, it's, it's like, it basically makes me thirsty for more. I want more. I want, all right, time to bring in even more friends from Kirby's past. I forget, past. Have, they, have they announced that there's going to be any more beyond? They haven't, have? but they've referred to it as like wave one, which right, would so there will be. theoretically okay. indicate a wave two. <laughs> you would think. I think yeah. I think well. I guess yeah. Who could be left? Who could be next? Oh, wave there is so many. Uh, we got uh, my the, my top three is um, Adeline because art, the artist ability. Oh, that's right. Tyranza, yeah. since we now have this uh, spider ability, and um, probably Magalore, uh, mm-hmm. which sort of fits that villain role that Marks kind of does, where it's a friend, except he, uh, you know betrays you <laughs> right. uh but there's so many more beyond beyond that we got the squeak squad we got ribbon we got um uh uh Susie and uh just i'm blanking on a bunch of characters um yeah, just tons and tons of kirby characters they could bring in and i want a mass effect team um a mass a, a mass effect you mean a mass attack oh sorry mass attack i'm like yes. I, you <laughs> no, know, I, want I want to see mass... shepherd going through the yeah through that'd, be, kirby. that'd be amazing i'm down with that <laughs> it's like well, kirby hey, kirby well, you must help me the geth are coming <laughs> well speaking of crossovers it's because this group is already called dream friends why not bring back uh uh wart at this point he's a he could be a dream friend. Oh, there you go he lives in, yeah why not? Sure, I'd yep, be down for exactly. it. I'll take. He kind of looks like he kind of looks like DD a little bit. So a little bit, yeah. yeah. Work with bubbles and whatnot. Yeah, I can see yeah, it exactly. Right. Um. Yeah, I mean, it, it's really cool how much they added. I'd love to see what else they. Did it actually change there. how the game feels? And it, it still feels the same. You know, it's still okay. very much still Star Allies, but I don't know. It, it you have an actual. Pretty pretty new 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 move set for all three characters. Where you know the animal buddies have their own elements that they work with and can do their own thing. Marx is overpowered as crap because he's the final boss of Superstar, <laughs> and uh, Gooey is just his weird self where he's kind of like a uh, friendly version of Dark Matter and kind of takes advantage of that. Like it, it, they do feel unique compared to the other allies, and I, I think that's what I appreciate most about him is it just works and you want to play with them but they are super powerful (laughs) do do they do they rebalance the game at all no uh, no no they like i when i did my race against uh uh ted and uh ant dude uh earlier this week uh marks destroyed bosses (laughs) like it was i i got him the lightning element and it just just tore through everything It, it is still a very very easy game what was the last Kirby game to have a hard mode? Um, I think Return to Dreamland had that EX mode, so that'd be, that'd be I, that one, yeah. As one who hasn't played the game, so maybe I shouldn't say I'm disappointed, but I'm going to say anyway, I'm disappointed that there isn't a hard mode in Star Allies. That would make for a good free update. 
It would. Oh, I think absolutely would. I, yeah. I think if they did a, a free update that included a hard mode and a 60 FPS option, people would really get behind it. Because the thing is, for as short as the game is, for as... You know the, you know there's issues here and there. It's sort of war. It's not as fresh as Triple Deluxe and Planet Robobot was. You can see the cracks starting to show for this formula, uh, as far as how they've structured it so far. I've still played a ton of Star Allies. <laughs> there's a lot here to do and enjoy, um, so it, it is kind of worth in that that fact. But if they keep adding more to it, yeah, let's do it. Let's do, give it a Splatoon situation where they just keep. Uh, Keep the fan service coming. I I don't think it's gonna be a Splatoon situation. No, no, though. God, no. Unless they add an amazing multiplayer mode. I think it's more uh, of an arms situation where it's just yeah. like here's some new characters every so often and some rebalancing. Not that it needs it. <laughs> well, if you want more <laughs> exactly. difficulty, it does. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it is it is very much structured for a multiplayer playthrough. You, that's where you right. will have the most fun. Just no doubt. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I'd love to see more uh, friends, dream friends, pop in, and can't wait to see who they might choose because they have pop star in. Yeah, there you go. Uh, but anyway, uh, the other exciting thing, and this, it's it's really funny because you recently talked about this when we were doing our celebration of uh, the Switches the Switch Week. Switch yeah. Week, yeah, the anniversary. You had been talking about how Dragon Quest Eleven was the very first game announced for the NX at the time. Well, now the Switch. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we have finally gotten a North American release date for Dragon Quest XI. Except not except for the Switch version. <laughs> there is no. The, it's releasing in the U.S. on PS4 and PC on September 4th. However, there will be the 3DS version is not coming over, and the Switch version is happening at a later point because apparently it was a little trickier to work with, and they realized about getting the game working on the Switch, which I'm not too surprised about. Looking at the PS4 version, because holy crap, this game is gorgeous. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's probably gonna, it's probably not going to be until 2019. Yeah, that's kind of BS, isn't it? <laughs> like a little bit. That they, that I mean, it it kind of feels. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it kind of feels like they got in there early, rode the hype wave of the NX, and now they're not delivering on that promise. Like so they they got all this like free marketing in a way, and now they're not even potentially like who knows if they'll even fulfill it at this point. Like they say it's still coming, you know. I'll believe that when I see it at this point. Um, the fact that it's not launching at the same time with the others is, you know, kind of sucks, though. Um, it kind of is. I mean, here's the thing, though. It's hard for me to be exactly mad because all they said is that, that we planned to bring it to the NX. They never once showed a screen from the Switch version. We've yet to see what it looks like on the Switch at all. Not in Japanese, not in English. It is just not a thing. So it's hard to believe it's even real. <laughs> That's why it's hard for me to get mad about it. But it's also like Dragon Quest Eleven is a really, really good game from everything I've heard. It's like one of the best in the series. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it does suck for Switch owners that they have to wait for so long. But I'm also like, I got a PS4. I'm, I'm set. I'm so ready to play this game, especially because I did play the 3DS version. And that was unique on its own. It was... It was this weird... I, I don't know if you saw what the 3DS version of Dragon Quest XI was like. Uh, have you, Andre? No. Okay, so rather than go for, like, try to emulate this HD version, it's still... Oh, I think I did see it. Yeah, yeah. It, it looks quite a bit different. Yeah, it, it's still Dragon, the same story, except 
the uh, you have a choice between two art styles, and you can freely switch between them whenever you want. Uh, where it's more in line with like Dragon Quest Seven and Eight on the 3DS, where it's sort of this, it's still 3D, but it's lower end PS2 quality type stuff. Or you can go super old school and have a 16-bit style for Dragon Quest Eleven. Did you hold on? I mean, that's cool. But did you mention that's not coming to the US either? Yeah, I did mention that. Oh yeah. Okay, so yeah. the I think that's why because it's so different and unique. I am a little disappointed that the 3DS version is not getting localized. Yeah, I mean, it just feels like kind of it feels like uh, Square just kind of dropped the ball in general here. Like, I mean, if I remember correctly, I think they even kind of maybe stepped back the NX announcement even after they initially made it. Like, mm-hmm. it might have slipped out. I can't even fully remember, even though I just researched this a couple weeks ago for <laughs> the uh, for the video. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, if anything, it just kind of demonstrates like any pre-system announcements are worthless for the most part until you know until there's actually until they have something to show. Mm-hmm. So I think what I was almost we're getting that's that's almost three years ago that they announced it two and a half maybe something three? like that I'm not sure it was, it was a while um it's like what have you been doing all this time if you weren't able to figure it out <laughs> yeah I mean th- that said Square Enix has been one of the biggest supporters of the Switch so far they've released quite a few games on it so I don't yeah, know that's true we'll see hopefully hopefully they'll eventually get it but for now I have a, my I have my PS4 PC is a common version. The game looks gorgeous, and I cannot wait for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, anyway, um, Switch. Ha- ha- uh, speaking of the Switch, it has hit four million units sold in Japan, and has actually surpassed the PlayStation 2's first year uh, in terms of the, its weeks, and has outsold the lifetime GameCube sales in Japan. This thing is still just insane as far as how well how fast and how much it is selling so yeah it it outselling the gamecube doesn't really say too much i mean the gamecube the gamecube itself was the second worst selling nintendo console of all time you know you know until the wii u came along mm-hmm. or what would rather was a worst selling console for nintendo until the wii u came along i should say uh so yeah it's not really a huge milestone because yeah the ps2 destroyed the gamecube uh you know, worldwide and i think especially in japan uh, so the fact that it's outsold the PS2, that's a news story right there. Mm. Um, that the fact uh, to clarify the PS2's first year, um, whereas with the GameCube, it sold it outsold its lifetime sales. So still impressive, but yeah, outselling the PS2 in its first year really is saying something. Uh, now I've seen people mention, but yeah, the Switch is a handheld, or I've seen I've seen this argument that the Switch is a handheld. Like we should be comparing it to the DS and GBA, and I think that is not really the case um it's been positioned uh I mean, it, it really is its own kind of whole new type of system um but i feel like it really is more console in a way than i mean it, it's all matter perspective right mm-hmm. but the, when you get down to it it's selling at a price far higher than any other nintendo handheld has uh putting it closer you know, putting it right in the line of consoles rather than handhelds so i think when you look at it in that perspe- perspective specifically these are very impressive numbers as they've been for the last year. Oh god, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Um, I mean, even like comparison, it's not it's still not quite up to the level in Japan as some of uh, Nintendo's other consoles. They've actually had others sell even faster. 
Um, the Wii sold. Uh, the, the, this is based off the first fifty-six weeks. Uh, so the war, the Wii sold four, weeks. Yeah, weeks. Uh, that's a weak sauce. <laughs> um, no, the Wii sold four point four million units in that time frame. Uh, the Game Boy Advance sold five point one million, and the 3DS sold five point three million. So yeah, it's still not quite up to that the level of those well, systems. I'll just, I'll, yeah, I was just saying that. Except for the except for the Wii, I think. Yeah, exactly. But, um, the Wii, but uh. yeah, I mean, because, yeah, I, I think I mean, there's a few things to consider there, right? The the price is substantially higher than the DS. Mm-hmm. Uh, going by U.S. prices, I don't know. I'm sure it's probably similar in Japan. But the DS launched at 150, which if you count for inflation, is 200. So the, the Switch is still 100 dollars more than that, a third higher in cost. Um, and the DS, people might forget this, didn't really start taking off until I think a year later after they dropped the price by, I believe, twenty dollars, twenty or thirty dollars, um, putting it even cheaper than what the Switch is now, even in rel- you know in relative terms and, or adjusted terms. And I think the DS Lite helped a lot as well. Oh yeah, no, it, right. That, that was another key factor. The DS absolutely helped a lot. Um, so yeah, it's not quite fair to compare it there, especially with the Switch also being part console. That might mean that families are less willing to buy one. I have no idea if this is based on anything or not, but families might be willing, less willing to buy one per per person when you can buy one for the family. Whereas with the Game Boy and DS, that was more of a personal thing. I feel like I feel like it mm-hmm. might have been with every child getting one. Whereas with a Switch, particularly with having two controllers built in, the kids can share. So yeah, I think there's a few factors that are against it. So um, or a few factors to consider when you make that comparison. Yeah. Um, the Wii is interesting though because you're saying, um, sorry, I kind of. Got distracted there. It's, you're saying it sold less than the Wii, even right? Yeah, the Wii at, the, at 56 week, weeks it sold 4.4 million. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean that, and that kind of just shows like how freaking big the Wii was. Mm-hmm. Um, because I believe, if I remember correctly, I believe in the U.S. It, the Switch has sold. Yeah, the Switch has sold more than the Wii that did at this point in time. However, people forget, I think, the Wii was still sold out, like, almost everywhere a year in its release. Mm-hmm. Nintendo seemed to have serious supply chain issues, whether intentional or not, if you want to you know, go <laughs> all tinfoil hat on that. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the Wii was consistently sold out uh, at this point. I mean, it could have sold uh, more here in the U.S. than it was, which might be why the Switch is able to outsell it, because the Switch's supply, uh, it seems like Nintendo figured out the supply issues for the Switch much sooner than they did for the Wii. So yeah, it's an interesting thing to compare. Um, so yeah, that's that really is that really is surprising that the Wii kind of outsold the Switch, even given the fact that the Wii wasn't a portable console at all. <laughs> yeah, but that gimmick was strong, especially with Wii Sports. Yeah, it, no, it was a huge. I mean, that's that's kind of what. Yeah, the, the Wii really tapped into something that I think even the Switch hasn't on some level. Where the Wii, like for a period of time, was everywhere. Like you know, my my parents bought one. Granted, they have a Switch too, but I bought that for them. Um, but like you know, you heard of nursing homes like with bowling tournaments. Mm-hmm. Um, it was all over the news, more far more so in my experience than the Switch has been even. Um, not to undermine the Switch's success, but the Wii really was like a cultural phenomenon that I don't think, I don't know, if we'll see something quite on that level ever again. Uh, in Hard terms of to consoles. say, yeah, I I kind of doubt it unless like somebody yeah. actually fully pulls off VR. But yeah, it's gonna be a while. Yeah, I mean, right. It, it would. T- I think it would have to be something like along the lines of like the Oasis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ready Player One. I was actually thinking the same thing. Like, we need to get to that level of VR. Well, you know what's funny? I was thinking about how like the Oasis just like or the whole Ready Player One almost seems like a. Uh, I'm trying to think of how to put this. Like a a low budget 
Matrix, <laughs> in a way. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, it's basically the same idea, except you're voluntarily connecting yourself, I suppose, into this, as opposed to being forced into it. Um, yeah, I don't know. It just reminded me, it's like, oh, this is basically like The Matrix, except you're voluntarily going to it, going into it, and it's not quite, the graphics aren't as good as The Matrix is. Yeah. <laughs> good point, good point. Yeah. Oh, well... I think that covers our news topics for this week, but uh, we'll go ahead and get into our Patreon topics. And as always, for just $1 a month, you guys can support us on Patreon, uh, get these uh, uh, podcasts three days early every Friday, as well as offer up topics like the ones we like the ones we have here. So, uh, Andre, why don't you start us off? So this comes to us by way of Gabriel and Angelo, I think, mm-hmm. right? Angelo, okay, I yeah. think, yeah. Yeah, Angelo, all right. I'm horrible with names, so... (laughs) Hey, GX, and they say, Hey, GX, what difficulty settings do you pick on a game? Do you pick where the developers want the gamers to experience, or or do you choose easy because you find the game hard or wanted to experience a story, or do you pick hard for the challenge? I'm sorry if I I might misread that at points, but basically they're asking, do we play the game how it was intended, or do we choose something easier or harder to increase or decrease our own personal difficulty? So for me... I almost always choose the recommended one. So, like, the default option is almost always what I go with. Except in one specific case I can think of being Halo, where I do crank it up to, uh, I believe it's Heroic in that series, if I remember correctly. Legendary, the, the, I remember that Legendary was the highest difficulty. Legendary is the highest, so I go with a penultimate one. Because that that's the one that should be default, because that's the one the developers actually recommend. So it's really confusing that they don't choose that by default in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, because, yeah, I feel like I, I, I want to go with the way the game was intended to be played. And because they say it was intended to be played that way, that's why I choose. Otherwise, I assume the default difficulty is the one that they intended to be played on. So, yeah, I'll almost always go with that unless I, you know, either A, find the game to be far easier than it should be, or than I feel like it should be, or B, if I'm replaying the game, I want something more challenging. But my first time through, I'll almost always go with the default difficulty setting. Yeah, I'm pretty much the exact same way. I, I go with what the developers intended uh, as far as difficulty. Uh, sometimes I'll go a little bit higher, like when I played a little bit of Doom um, on the, the, the Doom 2016, I, I heard they, they said the higher difficulties was kind of what they recommended just to give that mm-hmm. real like visceral experience and it is tough like it is tough it, it also kind of breaks your power fantasy a bit uh, not entirely but with you dying a lot more often it's like man these demons are actually kicking my butt this is not good <laughs> I mean they're demons though shouldn't they be? I guess that's true <laughs> but I'm the doom guy I should be like that's true you are the doom guy <laughs> that's, good point that's Stephen actually no John isn't no wait hold on isn't John Cena the doom guy now or, or no, doom no Nukem, he's Duke Nukem right yeah, so, that's right. Doom yeah, Doom that's, Doom, right. that's something. No, the Rock, the Rock was uh, the Doom he, guy. I don't know if he was Doom guy, but he was in the Doom. Oh, movie. was he not Doom guy? I'm not sure who Doom guy was. Never watched Doom. <laughs> Does Doom guy have a name? No, he's he's always been referred to as just Doom guy. Nice, I like. But it. apparently, he's somehow related to um, Do- B. J. Blazkowicz in uh, in uh, Wolfenstein. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> like, there's this weird whole continuity thing as far as families and apparently these guys are just perfect killing machines across the ages so go figure (laughs) but yeah no normally i go for the normal difficulty i sometimes like when i replay a game i'll go for the harder difficulty just to see give myself a challenge but the only game i can think of where i've actively done that is the uncharted series just because those games suck me in so much and i wanted to replay them and i would go back through with the higher difficulty and actually try to get the platinum because I actually felt like it was doable back when I actually cared about trophies. <laughs> um, and that's one of the few times I'll do it. Like 
It, it is really funny though. Like I, I've been streaming Fire Emblem Radiant Dawn, and that has a uh, very famous translation error <laughs> as far as difficulty is concerned, where they marked the uh, hard mode as normal, and the normal mode is easy. Uh, for the English release. So oh, wow. that's why Radiant Dawn has a reputation of just being so much harder than every other uh, Fire Emblem game just because it is that mistranslation. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, that's why I've been playing on normal mode, well, easy mode technically uh, for that for that playthrough. It's a, Otherwise it'd be a slaughterhouse. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, for me, it's like this is what the developer intended uh, let's see how they're going and go through that. And if I really like it, play through it again with a higher challenge if that's available. But I don't normally play a game to challenge myself. Now, granted, I do plan to play Bloodborne here at some point, and that is just naturally challenging. But challenging. But again, that's technically the de- default difficulty. I'm going to be working within that difficulty, and that's what the developers intended. So, yeah. Yeah, the, the tricky thing with game uh, difficulty is that every gamer has their own subjective meaning of what's tough, you know, depending on how good they are, how experienced they are with games in general or that specific genre or that specific series. So even when you play on what the developers intended, that may not come across, like subjectively to an individual, it may not be, it may not match up with how the developers intended, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so for instance, like for me playing, like, like as an example, me playing, Halo, or let me choose a better example because Halo has a weird thing where they recommend something else. Uh, like, let's say, um, let's say, what, what's a good example here? Okay, Resident Evil 4. <laughs> this <laughs> is a go. good example. All right, Resident Evil 4, uh, if you play through on normal for, for people who are experienced as third person shooters, you're probably experiencing it as how the developers intended. But for someone like my dad, who always wanted to play the game and uh, finally got used to it after, you know, I, I told the story before, so I don't want to get into it again. But my dad, who's almost not experienced with the games at all, that was many, 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 many times in, tougher than the developers actually intended it to be, I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah. So I wish games had more, like, I, I wish more games did kind of what I think Metal Gear Solid 2 and 3 did, and maybe they're, they're still doing, I haven't played 5 yet, um, where uh, what they used to do, at least, was they would ask you, hey, which Metal Gear games have you played before? Like, how experienced are you with them? And to be fair, I don't know how much it actually changed, but I always liked that idea where it seemed like the game was adjusting the difficulty based on how you played. And actually, funny, I should go back to Resident Evil 4 now, because that game had a brilliant mechanic where if you just kept sucking over and over, the game would make it easier on you uh, without telling you. It would it would subtly like remove enemies or give you better items. So it would help push you through to the next area, which probably helped my dad keep engaged with that game, mm-hmm. which most games... Uh, don't do, I think. Maybe they have been doing it more and more. Um, I mean, again, if they are, they might be hiding it. So maybe we don't know when all they're doing it. I think Resident Evil 4 like, hid it for a while. Uh, because they didn't, they didn't advertise that fact at all, which was kind of cool. Like, So you felt like you were getting better, even though you may not necessarily have been. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I always liked the idea. Like, I wish Nintendo would do that in Zelda games. Where I wish it would ask you, like, hey, how how experienced are you with Zelda? Have you played a bunch of them before? If so, great. We'll make this game a little bit tougher for you. Or is this your first one? Yeah, we'll ratchet it back a little bit. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, difficulty is a strange thing. Like, my sister doesn't play games that much. But she but when I told her, like, uh, she loved how cute Kirby's epic yarn was back on the Wii. Uh, and when I told her that, yeah, you can't die in this game, she's like, oh, I'm totally there. Because just removing that stress of death from her... 
uh, just made her enjoy the game that much more. So every difficulty has its place. Yeah, I mean, I, like Story Allies, granted, I can only talk about based on what I play in the demo and um, and what I've heard from other people playing. But that's a game I feel like, as I kind of touched on earlier, I wish it were a harder way to play. Because in a game built all around, like for me, like seeing, like that game seems to be built around like working together and trying out different combo abilities. But if all those combo abilities ultimately have the same effect where you can just easily destroy enemies, then that removes the incentive for me to try them out loud. It's like, what's what's the matter if they all do the same thing? So that's a game where I wish it was harder and it gave you more, uh, you know, more motive to try out all these or experiment and see what works and what works better. Yeah. I, that'd be cool. Like, a, like again, an update that adds an EX mode. <laughs> that'd be go. awesome. Exactly. Yep. But, um, yeah. Well, uh, my topic comes from Marvin25Martinez, who says, Hi, guys. It's finally finally warming up here where I live in the D.C. area. Just curious, do any of you play different types of games based on the time of year? This may be more relevant to you before you guys had to do reviews and play games for GameXplain. For me, I noticed as a kid I used to play more multiplayer games in the summer simply because I always had people to play with during the summer break. During the winter time, I played one-player platformers like Donkey Kong Country, but that could also be because it's the type of games I got during Christmas. Happy spring, guys. So, uh, yeah, happy spring to you, too. And I was thinking about this. And I was like, you know, not really. Like, I'll maybe sometimes think about when I'm playing a game, if it just happens to match up. Like, when I first started playing Super Mario Sunshine, it was during the summer. It's like, well, this is just perfect. And it just felt right to be playing it at that time. But it never was like, it never became like winter. It's like, oh, I can't play Mario Sunshine. It's not the summer. It just doesn't make sense mm-hmm. to me. And I don't revisit games enough. Like, I don't replay them enough anymore to really think about the time of year. Uh, and even as a kid, it'd be just like, I'm in the mood to play this game. I'm just going to play it now. So I never really found myself being affected by what time of year it was. I, yeah, I don't think I have really either. I'm, I'm sure there have been moments where, because it was, like, winter or something, I'm like, oh, I should go revisit, like, a Christmas level or, like, you know, a game with a Christmas level. Like, we're playing Banjo-Kazooie and it's uh, Amazing Snow World, which I, what was that called? Freeze, was um, it Freeze Easy Peak? F- yeah, Freeze Easy Peak, that was it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I'm sure it had, like, occasional moments like that, but on the whole, I don't think so. But we'll be, what would be really interesting is if maybe we are being affected in subconscious ways that we're not aware of that maybe does direct what games we play, even if we're not fully aware of it. That could be. I mean, I actually, just even thinking about it now, the one time a year that I think I am most affected by the time of year <laughs> uh, is actually around Halloween. That's when I get in the mood to play a lot of, like, spooky games. Spooky games, yeah, that's right. You've got you've had entire streams dedicated to oh, it. Oh, yeah, that's, that's it's fun for me to, like, re- revisit those games or play those games for the first time and just get into that spooky, scary atmosphere. But I don't feel the need mm-hmm. to do that for, like, Christmas, for example. Mainly because if it's a Christmas-related game, it kind of sucks for the most part. And second, uh, winter levels are kind of its own thing that doesn't happen too often. Although, Snowboard Kids. Snowboard Kids is awesome. Hell yeah, Snowboard Kids. Yeah, I feel like the only time I was really impacted uh, by the season is more more dependent on if I had, like, a long break from school or not. In which case, I might devote myself to, like, longer games. Mm-hmm. Like, replaying Paper Mario, for instance. Like, oh, I've got two weeks from off from school during winter. I should replay Paper Mario. So, <laughs> uh, so I think it's more what it came down to for me. Yeah, just having that opportunity to, like, play f- further in them. And, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I had that 
thought process. I'm trying to think. I mean, because I played RPGs all the time, but uh, I also think I never, I finished them more often during the summer. So that might have had a subconscious effect on me. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I'm, I'm curious how other people, like, if they actually are affected. Like, hey, it's this time of year. It's time for me to play this game. Uh, but for me, mm, only during Halloween. I feel actually for me now that I think about it, I almost wonder if I wonder like do you do you avoid certain games maybe during certain times of the year because like well I was gonna I was gonna mention Mario Sunshine but I avoid that at all times of the year <laughs> but I feel like I feel like with it being summer like I don't know like it, it almost seems redundant to me to play a summer game in the summer especially when with it being summer I'm already motivated to go outside so I feel like playing a game all about sunshine will only make me want to go outside more it's like look how much fun Mario's having being out in the sun shouldn't I be out in the sun too? <laughs> <laughs> exactly that's when you that's when you break out your copy of Boktai yeah but yeah right I tried playing at Seattle that was great <laughs> yeah I, I tried playing that I was like well I have a uh, classic uh, Game Boy Advance, so pff, I can't see this screen worth a damn because <laughs> I had to oh, be yeah, in. Another... I had to be in the shade in order to see it, but I can't get, get, didn't get any sun because of that. I was like, "Well, this sucks." That's <laughs> when you have to get one of those like UV emitting lamps or whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just... Uh, I mean, I, I I will say though, I did feel that though for not uh, Mario Sunshine, but Splatoon. Uh, mm-hmm. During the well, Splatoon, I mean, Splatoon has that total Mario Sunshine vibe. Too. Oh yeah. It was just yeah. like when it like the original Splatoon when it went that first time winter rolled around I did find myself less inclined to go back and play it because mm-hmm. it did just feel like a summer game I almost kind of wish that they would reflect the seasons and actually have like a wintery effect in some way oh, which that's I, what Animal Crossing is is for that is true <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. All right, well, for our final topic, our combined topic, we got one from Huss. And uh, I think this guy knew exactly what to ask us, Andre, because we both, as soon as we picked it, it was like, yep, <laughs> or as soon as we saw it. Yeah, I want, yeah we both wanted to talk. So. <laughs> yeah. So he says, hey, Game Explain crew, I've been listening to your podcast every week for two years. That's amazing. And they've never let me down in terms of entertainment and having some background noise while gaming or on the school bus. So thanks a lot. You're very welcome. Anyways, my question is this. Do you think it's more important for a video game to have a strong opening or a strong ending? A good intro makes it easier for the player to keep progressing and see it through to the end, but a bad ending could potentially make a player feel cheated or feel like they've wasted their time. Conversely, a bad intro will make it harder for the player to progress, but should they choose to continue, they'll be treated with a satisfied memory of how the game ends. Uh, thanks for choosing, choosing my uh, thanks for choosing my topic and keep on keeping on or keep on keeping on that ah, ruined at the end so yeah I think I know where your answer is going Andre because uh, I <laughs> know how much you love your strong openings and I thought about this one for a while and honestly as as important as a strong opening is I do think a strong ending is a little bit more important in my opinion because yeah, it might be rough to get into it, but if you, hopefully that opening that opening doesn't take too long for you to get through, uh, and you can get into it and still enjoy it. And the one that goes back to comes to my mind immediately. Twilight Princess. No, is uh, <laughs> is Kingdom Hearts two, very slow opening, uh, mostly tutorials, 
feeding you bits of story to keep you going, but as far as gameplay, wasn't exactly engaging at the time. However, once you finally got into it and started playing as Sora once and once again, you were in for it, and I think it led to a like very memorable ending, uh, as far as the final boss and what was going on and the events that happened. And so, I actually still have fond memories of Kingdom Hearts 2 because of that. So, I would argue a strong ending is slightly more uh, beneficial. Yeah, I totally disagree with that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, obviously, like, I mean, the ideal is you have both. Exactly. You want a strong ending, a strong beginning, strong ending. I mean, that probably, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing a fair amount of my favorite games probably have both of them. Um, mm-hmm. Although that would be an interesting thing to go through at some point and see, like, is that actually the case? Uh, no, I mean, for me, like, I mean, as, as you kind of touched on, and as I've said many times before, like, a strong opening is the most important thing, I think, for me. Because, or of those two, I should say. Because... I mean, if you don't get me hooked on your game initially, I'm not going to make it to the end. I, I won't care. <laughs> I'm not going to see the end. So, yeah, it doesn't matter how good the ending is if I never see the ending. So, yeah, I mean, uh, for me, uh, an opening is so important. because it, It's what sets the entire tone of the experience. And, I, would, I mean, even kind of broadening, I mean, I think for me this even applies to movies too. Um, although, again, I want a strong ending there as well, ideally. But the reason I bring up movies is because I feel like one of the most magical times for me like, with movies in general, or media, I suppose, but, uh, well, movies in this case, is uh, is when you first sit down and, like, start watching a movie, those first few minutes, when you know almost nothing about it, like, there's no setup at all, like, when it's just establishing the universe and you're, like, just figuring out how it all works and, like, what's going on here, those opening few minutes are just the most magical time for me in a movie, I think. Um, and I think that kind of applies to games as well. And that's why I think, like, a str- having a strong hook, a strong beginning, the thing that sets the tone and... Uh, you know, kind of conveys what this game's all about is for me the most important thing at all. And if they can nail the ending on top of that, awesome, great. But if they drop the ball, like the fact that I made it to the end at all, probably means I had a good enough time with the game to see it through. So at that point, like a great ending is just a cherry on top. But they totally drop the ball. It's probably not going to ruin my experience with it. Whereas a bad opening absolutely can because I'll just stop playing the game. If you don't catch my interest, I'm done. I'm dropping you. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, is, it is a weird struggle because I have, I, I thought, as you were talking, I thought of another game that I think has a slower opening, but once I got into the meat of it, I greatly enjoyed it. And that's the, the original Castlevania Lords of Shadow, um, where it wasn't really clicking with me. I was just sort of playing through because, well, I got this game. I want to play it. I need to see how it all goes. Uh, but once they introduced the weapon shifting mechanic where you had you adding darkness or light i think it was to your weapons all of a sudden it got a lot more engaging a lot more interesting to me and it, it that did take a while but man it carried me through to the end and just had a really great time and it makes me forget about that sort of iffy opening but i know it's again i'm working it's sort of hard to get to argue for the ending because like for you you would totally just stop. You know, there was no, unless you were like contractually obligated to finish this game. It's like, right. I, I don't want to continue playing. I, I probably would have never finished Twilight Princess had I not had to because I did the guide for IGN. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I, mean, I think, I mean, I think, you know, there's different tolerances. I mean, I think you're, you're generally more tolerant of the, of like a slow opening than I am. Whereas, you know, for me, like if I'm bored from the get go, I, I'm, I'm going to drop you. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so, but yeah, I mean, again, like, the perfect scenario is you have a strong both. Um, I'm trying to think of I'm a think, game that had a strong opening but a terrible ending. Yeah, I'm trying to think, I mean, I'm trying to think of specific examples, too, like, because, well, I guess, you know, here, okay, here's, maybe here's an example. Um, maybe not a great example of that, but I thought uh, Beyond Good and Evil, I, I've used that before as an example of a game that I think has a fantastic beginning, it throws it right into it. It establishes the setting with the the uh, um, the orphanage uh, Jade runs, mm-hmm. and like has this, uh, just amazing like cinematic, especially for its for its time, like just opening that really just uh, kind of like sets the entire scene of the game, the premise, the themes. It's fantastic. But when I think back to the ending, I can barely remember it. So I mean, I'm sure it's fine. Um, I the only thing I really remember is the uh, the cliffhanger they left on <laughs> that we probably will never get resolved. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think and you know maybe if I ever play it, maybe I would like remember loving the ending. I don't really remember, but I think the fact that I don't remember it is kind of evidence of the fact that it was you know it was fine, it was whatever. Uh, but the beginning of the game is what really sold it for me. So mm-hmm. yeah, I don't remember. I'm, I've I've played Beyond Good and Evil. Other than the cliffhanger, I cannot remember the rest of the ending. Like I have no idea or, what the rest of it was. Yeah. I've got another example, even. Um, Breath of the Wild, I think, has a pretty good pretty good opening. Um, mm-hmm. With I mean, it, granted, it's not much of one, but that's what, that's what I like about it. Kind of like with um, A Link to the Past, or not A Link to the Past, uh, the original Zelda on NES. It kind of just throws you into this world where you know nothing about it. And that was enough to get me engaged. Whereas the ending, I thought that was also kind of whatever. Like, I actually barely remember that, too. <laughs> um, I know a lot of people that have, that have played Breath of the Wild love it, Gave it, their, gave it their game of the year, and they haven't even beaten it. They haven't even seen the ending because they found the rest of the game fulfilling enough. Yeah. yeah. That's a tricky one. I, I think the reason I might be a little bit more lenient to slow openings is because I have played so many RPGs, and some RPGs can have super slow openings where they're just setting up this world, setting up the characters, easing you into the battle system, and it's like, I, I got it. I, I got it. I got it. Like, let's move on. But once you get into the real meat and it opens up, then it's actually engaging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's probably it for me. I, that might be why I, uh, I, I mean, I'm not a big RPG guy these days. I used to be much, much of a bigger one. So I don't know if RPGs burn me out on it or if I, or my, um, my willingness to endure with slow openings just directing me away from RPGs. <laughs> But or maybe it's both. But yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not a huge. I, I don't put a huge emphasis on story in general. Like you know, I love when there's a great story there that enhances the gameplay. But I've always been like a gameplay first kind of guy. Uh, you know, so yeah. So I'm not in it for the story, which is why I think I've also kind of fallen out with RPGs in general. So yeah, I don't tend to stick with them. Mm-hmm. So I mean, for me in general, it's not really. It hasn't historically been a huge issue. There haven't been a ton of games that I've been interested in that that I don't play because of a slow opening like it's just not something that's come up a ton for me mm-hmm. so but i i think i kind of avoid games where those would be issues although that has come up with um you know as i mentioned twilight princess of course and then even uh another example i've mentioned before kind of as a counterpoint to myself almost <laughs> is banjo kazooie nuts and bolts that's a game that's that started not even in the story sense. actually it had a kind of slow opening in general too although it kind of I, I, this is weird. I kind of like this initial <laughs> opening, but once again, the gameplay, like that's where it really slowed down for me. But after six hours or so, that's when the game kind kind of clicked. So it's a little bit different in that case. It was more of a, it wasn't necessarily like an opening, but it was more of a just all the mechanics kind of like coming together for me, where I started to appreciate it more at that point. So. <laughs> Opposite end, but related. Um, 
ukulele. I was invested in the beginning. I was like, oh, cool. We're finally – here's our Banjo-Kazooie-like experience. Uh, this is feeling good. Looks good. Uh, getting into it. And then you get to that first world. Oh. <laughs> oh, man. I had so I had, I had, I had the opposite and yet the same experience. Maybe I – just on a lower – okay, maybe, maybe the it's same probably, experience on a lower Remember, level. I am more forgiving about slow openings. But yeah. I was like, okay, yeah, I can I, see this, the, where they're going with this. It's cool. Right. So I respect that. For me, from the get-go, I'm like, oh, God. I'm not liking this at all. And I got to the first world, and I go, no, I'm really not liking this. Uh, although by World 3, I finally did start liking it a little bit more. Like, you know, oh, but, but then I, I just... I was checked I, out. I, it, I mean, I yeah, I mean, it wasn't, enough for, it wasn't enough for me to keep playing. I didn't finish it either. It wasn't enough for me to keep playing. Um, especially from what I heard of Ash from, like, World 4, I think. I'm like, ah, all right, I'm done. <laughs> I'm checking out, so... Yeah, World 3 is probably the highlight for me. Like, he raved yeah. about World 5, and I played a bit of World 5. It didn't do much for me. It had a mechanic mm-hmm. where it's just like, oh, my God, I had to tr- travel and do this sort of thing. It just made it so slow. Right. It just did not do anything for me. But, uh, man, but I, I said about slow RPG openings. There are some out there that can have really good openings and get you just interested right away. The one that comes immediately to mind is um, Final Fantasy VII, the bombing run. Like, that is in, mid, in the middle of the action. With a crazy, train. Yeah, the, yeah, exactly. You arrive on the train, jump out, you got to yeah. blow up the reactor. Uh, jump out, um, meet a bunch of new characters, interact with one character, boss with its own unique sort of thing you got to learn to get sort of teaching mechanics and how the active time battle works, quick escape, bl- things blowing up. It's like, wow. And then you feel ready for that slowdown that happens when you start really learning about the characters in this world. So I think I think seven Final Fantasy seven has a fantastic opening that just absolutely pulls you into the game and it was that's especially appreciated because that was my first rpg yeah it's pretty fitting then so mm-hmm. <laughs> and um well i get oh yeah, yeah, yeah go ahead i was gonna mention chrono trigger as a square rpg with a beginning that i like particularly i mean it's not quite the same but i love how they tie the opening into events later on mm-hmm. in the game so uh but yeah i mean i thought uh, it's not. It wasn't a typical opening either, which I think caught my interest. Like you're just going to a fair and having fun. Like, oh, this is pretty cool. So, <laughs> and then that's when things go crazy. Who doesn't like fair games? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's pretty fair in my book. Yep. And even Super Mario RPG, Bowser kidnapped Peach. Here's the new mechanics, and then all of a sudden, here's this crazy crap happening. Mario RPG is awesome. It deserves so much more credit than it gets. I feel like because... it gets a lot of credit though. It doesn't get enough credit, oh, though, Derek. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love how it starts off with a typical Mario story about the kidnapping Peach, and then it turns into anything but after the first hour, if that. Um, yeah, like, where it turns into a much larger story, a much, you know, larger, expansive experience, um, with you teaming up with Bowser, even. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to think... I- other maybe slower openings but yeah you're right though we do want that balance and then obviously we <laughs> it feels dumb to say like yeah of course i want to have good both both good things rather than just one good thing mm-hmm. um but i i do have some experiences with some that a strong ending can re- totally redeem a weak opening yeah, I don't think I'm trying to think if I can think of a single example of that line for just for the reason or of that of what you're saying for the reasons I uh, already other, mentioned. Yeah, because, other than Banjo Kazooie, I can't. I don't know if it, you'd have any. 
Oh yeah, nuts and bolts to me. Yeah. Right, right. And, and even then, that was more the gameplay than the ending. So the gameplay that itself redeemed the opening. Yeah, I don't remember what the ending was really in that either. <laughs> so I don't think I trended myself. I, yeah, it really might just be like endings in general. Like, eh, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's like cool. Yeah, beat the game. It's, it's whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think of any, of any other exceptions for me. So yeah, like an opening for me is really like one of the more important things. So yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, thank you, Huss, for that question, and uh, thank all of you for the questions. I think think they were pretty good this week. Uh, but yeah, we are two episodes out from episode 100. However, I will not be here next week, as as I said, I will be in PAX. So, uh, Andre, I have to leave it up to you and Ash to uh, continue the podcast without me. Oh man, I don't know if we can handle. I this. don't know either. I, I don't. We'll see. <laughs> but uh, as always, thank you guys so much for listening. And if you enjoyed this podcast, uh, think about uh, supporting us on Patreon. Uh, get, these, the, get these podcasts three days early every Friday, as well as offer up topics like the ones we had here for just $1 a month. So, yep, hope you guys have a great weekend or week if you're listening to this on Monday for our non-patrons. And we'll catch you next time for episode 99. Till then, bye. Derek, you forgot the most important news story of us reaching 900,000 subscribers. Shit! <laughs>